I spent from 25 to 28 working on myself, healing myself, getting proper mentorship, uh, working with a cognitive behavioral therapist, like understanding that I was actually not responsible for my upbringing Mm. and that it was time for me, Leslie Ann, to write a new and better healthy financial story. I actually learned how to invest well during those years. I learned to forgive myself and I learned what a wealth mindset was because of the mentorship and coaching that I received during that three-year period. Yo, what is going on, baby? Nathan Kennedy, The New Money Podcast, episode 96. Happy weekend, y'all. Got the May 2-4 coming up here in Canada. Hope you guys are enjoying your weekend and are looking forward to a nice long weekend. I mean, it's kind of weird. Hopefully, you're not having a barbecue with a ton of people, uh, but I hope you enjoy it somehow uh, with you know your family and friends. You already know the drill, guys. Ask me any questions you guys have on Instagram, as well as if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, I would love if you left a review. Really helps the show get out there and grow. Now, what are we always talking about on this show? We talk about building yourself up and we talk about building your investments up. And one of the best platforms, actually two of the best platforms under the same company to do that is Wealthsimple Trade, Wealthsimple Invest. Wealthsimple Trade is a commission-free platform where you can buy and sell ETFs free of charge. Wealthsimple Invest is a robo-advisor where they do all the work for you. You just got to put the money in. Show links are in the show notes. Would really appreciate if you guys went and checked those out. So today I have a really, really special guest, Leslie Ann Scorgi, who is a lot of things. She wears a lot of hats. Uh, so let's just dive on into it and we can just get into the story. Growing up, Leslie Ann was kind of a financial whiz kid. At a very, very young age, she started to understand the power of money, was a total student of financial literacy, and it really, really paid off. She then went on to be on Oprah, have best-selling books, run a business, become a millionaire, all these fantastic things. But we're going to talk about that in a sec. Firstly, Leslie Ann grew up in Calgary, Alberta, and life in her earlier years was pretty tough growing up. When I was growing up, we really didn't have any money, like to the point where like we were in poverty, flat out, like my household was making less than $24,000 a year, which in North America, like just about everywhere you go is considered the like low income or poverty line. Mm. And so when I was growing up, like I watched my, my parents struggle with money, with mental health issues, with job security. And I'll be super honest with you. It was like my motivation to save was supercharged by fear. Mm. And I just, so everybody listening knows that's like not a great place to come from. Um, And so what typically happens when uh, you have a fear-based mindset is it manifests in decisions that are are not so great. They're they're full of fear. The person statistically is more likely to get themselves into pretty crippling debt. So that's usually how it goes. And and I'm speaking from a place of positive money psychology as, as I like reference that mindset work, but it can go another way. And it did for me, it went the way of anger and fear fueling anger, where I was so angry at how 
how much of a struggle it was for my family that I was like, this is never going to happen to me. I'm so upset about how this all rolled out for, for my childhood. And, um, I was upset. Like I wanted a different story and I like, I got into reading really early because like we didn't even have cable, like we didn't have TV, (laughs) right? Like, so, but I had a library card and I got into reading, um, like rags to riches stories at 10 years old. And one of my favorite authors, like well above my age bracket, like I probably shouldn't have been reading this author because of the content and (laughs) explicitives and whatnot. But um, I was like really into Jeffrey Archer and Jeffrey Archer still to this day is an extremely well-known storyteller of rags to riches stories. And I like, I couldn't get enough of those books. So when I was reading that, I was like, that is going to be me. I, I do not want this same story. I don't want this struggle. And I started saving flyer routes, babysitting. I hired other kids to work for me and like took a cut of (laughs) what they were making. And like, I ran, I ran like miniature businesses, um, all in an effort to like, get out of, get out of it get out of the grind so you ask this question of like how well how does like a young person 10 years old 14 years old like get into this for me it was like when I turned 10 my grandparents collectively gave me about a hundred dollars of money and it was more like it was more than what my my parents had in their bank account and they took me aside and like my mom specifically was like you should buy a savings bond. If you do, that $100 will be worth $135 in seven years. That's this thing called compounded interest. In fact, you could be a millionaire if you just did that all the time. Anytime you come into money, you buy a savings bond. So I took her advice and I bought a savings bond versus like buying a bicycle. Even though I wanted the bicycle, I went and like babysat a couple more times and like came up with another hundred bucks and still bought my bike. But it was like six to eight weeks later that I got my bike. Um, and so every time I, I like came into money from like 10 until the age of 14, I was like buying savings bonds. Mm -hmm. So the big shift was when I was 14, I got my first job. Like I was shelving books at the library, part of a union, which was amazing. (laughs) And um, also the place I was, I was there all the time. Cause again, we didn't have TV and it was so nice. One of these librarians was like, Hey, you should apply to, to be like a librarian, librarian page and put these books away. And, you know, we have like, we pay really well for this. Mm. And it was like, awesome. Cause I was already there. Uh, like basically it was like a form of babysitting, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. we go after school. And so I started working at the library and like reading all these books about investing. So one day after learning how, like, um, how mutual funds worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like walked across the street, literally across the street from the library was a bank. And um, like one of the advisors who I had, like I'd already had a bank account there, uh, sold me my very first like dividend mutual fund. And wow. I started like just saving like crazy. Every paycheck I got, fear motivated everything. Mm. but learning along the way, like I read my first prospectus on the dividend mutual fund when I was 14 years old, 14, that's when you start to 17, 
you know, three years, like what, what happened at 17? Like, how did you just exponentially take off like that? The market was really good, but the, the break, like the Oprah Winfrey break happened when the local newspaper, uh, I lived in Calgary at the time, called my high school one day and was like, Hey, do you have any like odd or interesting students that we could profile? I think they were short on stories and, uh, which happens, right? Like I'm in the media now. does happen um and so uh they called the school and asked if like they could interview an odd or interesting student so like I got nominated because I was this young woman in my school who decided to help my teacher create financial literacy curriculum at that Mm -hmm. time still today like talk about wanting to beat my head against a wall we do not have comprehensive like coordinated curriculum across the country and it's because it's like provincially regulated or state-based regulated uh, educational content but it's like a patchwork of curriculum wherever you go in North America so I was one of those people like trying to teach my classmates how to save money and so my name got put forward for this uh, interview with the Calgary Herald at that time and it was supposed to be like a super small like 100 word side section on the paper you know them they kind of look like advertisements they're really tiny um and it ended up being like a uh, a front page with two additional full pages um interview uh tips for young people tips for parents it was a multi-section spread uh and they called it whiz kid and that story hit the newswire, like the good old fashioned newswire. Um, like I'm 37. And so just think about it. Like that was 20 years ago. They didn't even have the same like social media sharing, nothing like that existed. Right. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it hit the newswire and it got picked up by the producers of the Oprah Winfrey show. And all the while, just remember, like here I had been hustling and saving and hustling and saving from age 10 to like age 17. And I'd like amass quite a bit of money. That money actually, um, by the way, funded my university and my first house. It's incredible. Which is like amazing. But um, yeah, so I met Oprah Winfrey because of that story and was on a show called Ordinary People, Extraordinary Wealth. The theme was just resoundingly about like the importance of more young people taking an interest in money management and uh, it it absolutely shaped my career. Like, I can't even imagine just being that young. Like, I mean, did you just like, after that experience, did you just get to work? Did you get like an agent? Did it like, how did that whole process happen? Good question. Um, So I had, uh, I had to get some help. Like as soon as I got back from the show, uh, I had a literary agent, I had a PR representative And like effectively, my mom started to manage things like media interviews for me. And funny enough, I was faced with this really bizarre decision. It's a great decision. But like at the age of 18, I could have gone one of two paths. I could have had my own show. Uh, It would have been filmed out of Vancouver or go to university. And I was like really torn. Yeah. you know, fame and the glam of media life versus crunching uh, numbers and sticking my head in the book. But I, 
I did go to university with the, the thinking that if I did great at university and I kept the irons in the fire warm, mm. that I would come out the other side of that with a great education and that I could probably build an even stronger presence after mm. I was done. Mm. And um, that was a big bet. It did turn out well though. So you do all these books, you go through this amazing career. What, what are you currently doing? What are you currently working on? And, uh, you know, how is that all sort of tied to today? Well, let me take you, I'll, t- I'll fast forward to today and then I'm going to take you back a little bit to how I yep. got here. So today I run a company called Mevest, and what we do is financial education for anyone in North America, whether you're starting out or you're a little bit more advanced. We offer money coaching, also known as wealth coaching, and we offer courses. So it's kind of like the one-on-one approach versus the course-based group learning approach. And the courses and classes are very focused on three things. It's around mindset, skill set, and doing the work. And we know that if we can help people put down some quick results, they'll be more willing to do the work. So that's what we usually do at the front end. Um, uh, Working on mindset and skill set around budgeting, investing, anything like that. And the other thing that I do is I am in the media. So I write for the star. I have a national column uh, and I also have a national radio appearance on Sirius XM. Um, and so lots and lots of media, Business Insider, Breakfast Television, I'm a CBC commentator, and it's like all things money. That's what I do today. When I was on the Oprah Winfrey show in, in 2001, so I'm taking you back now, I like literally announced to the world, the world, like 2 million people on that day that I was going to be a millionaire by the time I was 25. Wow. That was like my claim to fame. And after getting off of that show and having, I hate to say it, but kind of a hot head, right? Like I graduated from university. I walked my way into a six figure income before the age of 22. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was huge. Um, and it just kept growing. Um, but I actually developed a bit of an overspending problem wow. between the age of 21 and 25. And I now know today because of my work in psychology, like money psychology, it was very much like a pain reaction, right? It was so I was trying to basically fill a very painful hole um, from my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much shame around that upbringing and just so much pain watching my parents struggle and how hard I had had to work to get to where I am. So I went about rewarding myself a lot. <laughs> Between 21 and 25, I'm not recognizing that the real undercurrent to that was actually my mindset and a lot of pain there. So. Um, I missed my goal at 25 and it was 2008. So it was like a double whammy because the financial crisis hit and I was extremely exposed because I had high risk portfolio, lots of like, um, at that time I was really into the energy sector and like new tech energy. Um, And uh, yeah, so I was really exposed. And so imagine like, you know, when somebody follows up with you uh, because you said, you know, 
like I, I set this goal and somebody follows up with you in yeah. three months and they're like, did you achieve your goal? Um, just imagine that like a thousand people in the media follow up with you <laughs> and they're like, hey, did you achieve your goal of, of making a million by 25? And I had to be honest to be like, no. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I like, I missed. And it, I was devastated. I was devastated and I actually became depressed and I had to get some help. So at 25, I was then dealing with my own financial issues and my own mental health issues. Mm. And that was the pivot point for me. I spent from 25 to 28 working on myself, healing myself, getting proper mentorship, uh, working with a cognitive behavioral therapist, like understanding that I was actually not responsible for my upbringing mm. and that it was time for me, Leslie Ann, to write a new and better healthy financial story. So I actually, I swear that I actually learned how to invest well during those years. I learned to forgive myself and I learned what a wealth mindset was because of the mentorship and coaching that I received during that three year period. So not surprisingly, that transformation that happened over three years, um, it changed the game. It was actually the foundation for the business that I have today. Mm. The one that I have today is rooted in mindset. It's rooted in mentorship, positive money psychology, and wealth building principles that actually work. So no high flash, no fast stuff, like really quality um, principles. But it's funny, life is always teaching us lessons. Had I not gone through that really dark period, I wouldn't have the business that I have today. I wouldn't have the results that I have today. I wouldn't have like the, the life and the wealth and whatnot that I have today mm. if I hadn't have gone through that struggle. So like for someone who's wants to go through that sort of process, but maybe they, they don't have access to a, a cognitive behavior therapist or maybe some resources that like, what are some things that somebody listening to this, what are some things that they can do to sort of evolve their minds to have a more positive relationship with money? What a great question. I'm so glad you asked because there's something you can start doing that I had to learn how to do during those, those dark years. And it's a daily gratitude practice. So when we're struggling financially, the last thing on your mind is to express gratitude for what you have. Like literally all you want to do is like grovel in your own self-pity. Right. Um, but the first challenge I have for our listeners is I want you to try 30 days of financial gratitude. Anything from I'm so happy I saved $1 on fill in the blank, whatever, like earphones. Two, it could be I'm so happy I'm getting paid this week. That's going to allow me to pay my rent. And it's 30 days of extremely specific gratitude. I'd encourage you to actually write it down. So what happens from a mindset perspective, and I'm going to take you to a place of, of money psychology just for a second, is most of us were taught to like revel in our negativity when it comes to money. Like it's very, it's embedded in our culture. And 
the gratitude actually uses a different part of your mind. It shifts you into part of your brain that taps into creativity. And anytime you start to tap into a different part of your mind, it sends new signals into your whole body that something's changing. And if you keep it up for at least 21 to 60 days, Uh, this gratitude piece, it's constantly sending new healthy signals to your mind, your body, that things are changing. And you look at what, what helps people to change. And it Mm -hmm. is this, it is gratitude. Gratitude is one of the easy pieces. Now I'm going to give you a second thing. This is the, the part I would introduce at the same time if not maybe a week after you start your 30 days of gratitude, daily saving. So here's when we think of like new signals to the mind, uh, most of us are familiar with signals that again are fairly negative when it comes to money. And so we stay there. And um, when we shift to daily saving, it's a positive, healthy maneuver versus constantly beating yourself up, negative self-talk about money. Like, why don't I know how to invest? Why did I lose money? Blah, blah. So daily saving is literally going into your banking on your phone and you transfer $2 from your checking account into your savings account every day. Maybe it's $20, (laughs) maybe it's $2, but the actual physical act of expressing gratitude and fast follow with an act of self-care and love, moving money into your savings account, those two pieces are are going to start creating a really powerful shift in your mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's something that I always, if you know, if anybody ever asks about paying down debt, like I love, you know, the debt snowball versus the avalanche, right? And in terms of like you know, creating momentum. I think momentum's a force of nature. And if you can get it on your side, especially with your psychology, you know, you're in a really good spot. When somebody, you know, they think about self-care and self-kindness, uh, that's definitely something that's really helped me in my life. I used to have a pretty negative self-talk sort of dynamic. Like I would be really hard on myself. Uh, and I really learned to like be more, much more kind, uh, of course. How does somebody... Um, manage and, 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 you know, have very kind to themselves, be very, uh, you know, loving towards themselves, but maybe they think that it, they'll lose their edge or they won't be pushing themselves as hard as they could be. Like, how do they, how do they navigate that? How do they find that balance? I love that question too. It's goal setting. So this actually naturally leads us to the third tip I have. So we talked about um, gratitude thinking, daily saving, and now once you have those two things working for you, it is time to set some goals. So like we have, um, we have a seven-step wealth builders roadmap, and I'm basically moving you very quickly through the seven steps into three. Yeah. Um, but one of the pieces, the final piece is you don't lose your edge if you set realistic goals for your finances, ones that you are going to either hold yourself accountable to or have somebody hold you accountable to them. And these goals, typically there's two of them. 
there's one for the saving side and then there's one for the debt side. Most people, like 80% of the population statistically has some kind of debt. So I think I'm speaking to the broad group here. Um, the debt can show up in student loans. It can be lines of credit and so on. But the, um, that third piece around some goal setting is what will keep you not losing your edge and continuing to be motivated. So uh, have no fear. Honestly, you won't lose your edge, but you do need to do what wealth people, wealthy people do, which is they set goals for the month and year ahead. And they do it regularly. You know, we're, we're talking about all of this, you know, some people, you know, might be hearing it, maybe think it's idealistic, you know, given the times right now, how do you navigate that with some of your clients and, and people that you chat with when they say, oh, you know, the job market's this, or, you know, you, you kind of hear those sort of reasons why they think they, they can't get ahead. How do you sort of navigate that without necessarily being um, scolding or, hey, you're just making excuses or, you know, like, how do you go about that? You know, I honestly, I think when people approach me about the feelings of negativity around money, right? Like they don't feel like they can get ahead, but what about this? What about that? Leslie Ann, it's so hard. Um, I first off want to just clear the air to let you know, I get it. I get it. I know, I knew what it was like to open up the fridge and not have food for a few days. So like, I totally, absolutely get it. Now, what we are in right now is conditions that are not super great, right? The market's not awesome, especially for young people in uh, the job market. But this is the opportunity where you are gonna have to do work that you don't wanna do. It won't be forever, by the way. It will only be a moment in your life. We've all had to do work that we didn't want to do. Um, like I worked at a shoe store once. That was <laughs> that was not fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would just say, like, yeah, it, we need to get creative. We also need to carry on a dialogue that is more positive, and it's gotta be consistent that you are surrounding yourself with more positivity than negativity. So think about it like this. When you achieve your best results, whether like formally on a team or um, maybe at work or even just a sports team, you're usually surrounding yourself with uh, a community of people that are also uh, working on the same goals. And I would say, uh, speaking from firsthand experience during this pandemic, my online free community has grown exponentially of people who maybe they're joining from not so great positions, but they need some positivity because we all need to support each other. So when you're in that space where you're like, I can't seem to get ahead, I actually think you can get ahead, but your surroundings probably need to change a bit. So like join a community. You are looking at a tough job market. You are looking at having to do work you don't want to do. But on the other side of this is the, the good job. It is the community that you're building right now. It's the friends who you're surrounding yourself with. And that that is worth more than any, any struggle you're in right now. Like, I want to assure you, almost every financial situation is fixable almost every single one, like 99.9% .9 of them, 
are totally fixable, but it's gonna start with you doing things different. So if you're one of those people like reveling in the, the hardness right now, uh, the toughness in the market, um, I wanna get you out of there. I want you to like join a community, get going, talk yeah. about money, um, start, you know, oiling up those cogs so that they move again. Um, do take on work that isn't your favorite, uh, but it's, it is about social connection. It's about moving forward. It's about saving what you do have and be, being careful, right? People don't build wealth overnight. It's a process that happens over decades. I always find it's interesting, you know, when, and I'll, and I definitely will take on conversations and, you know, when you're, when you're posting content online and, you know, it's, it's easy to just stay in, 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 and revel in people who are just telling, Oh, great content, great content. Great. It's, it's like, you know, I didn't, I didn't really necessarily make this for people to, to just agree with me. I also made it so I can maybe chat with people who have never seen something like this or never seen, um, you know, being able to build wealth from sort of most, if not all positions in life. Like there's a, there's a way to get, get there. Right. And so, you know, one thing that I always struggle to understand, and I try my best to to deploy empathy because I've been there too. Like I, I had a very similar childhood to you, so I, I totally get it. But I'll, you know, you'll hear it's it's too hard, it's too difficult. I I can't do it, and then I say, so what's the alternative? It's like, well, there is no alternative. I just have to like accept this, and that kills me. That that kills me, right? Because you don't have to, right? You 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 can do a small little thing because. The, it, there's so much power in in like those little tiny. I think it was this one thing I posted the other day. Uh, I reposted. It was like it was like 1.00 to the power of 365 is 1.01 1.01 to the power of 365 is like 31 or 32. Right? It's 33 times more if you just do that little one percent. And it's remarkable how far you can get if you just you know, do one small thing, even if you think it's insignificant. I always, I'm a big believer in that, like first foot in the door, it kind of leads to different things. And to, and like, I feel like that's a hundred percent how you guys go about your, your uh, program too. Absolutely. And one of the most motivational books that I ever read was called, um, one small step can change your life. And it's the Kaizen approach to life. Exactly. Like the equation you posted this week on just the 1% difference. And that book talks about momentum being built over many tiny positive steps. So when we look at what we talked about today, like daily gratitude, such a tiny step, mm -hmm. saving a dollar or two a day into a savings account that you don't touch, such mm -hmm. a small step. Setting a goal, even when you don't feel like you want to set the goal, such a small step. But all of these, these are actually critical steps in the wealth building process. And if you start on them early, you learn to, it's, it's also, these are acts of self-love, BT dubs. Like you start doing this, you're going to start to see it in your mental health and you're going to start to see it in your relationship. And that's, these are good things. These are very good things. So let, let it spill over. You know, I've, I've definitely taken enough of your time, but I do have one more question. What's the first thing that somebody 
should do after listening to this podcast if they're kind of they're like ah you know what well, they're listening to this podcast you know I, I hope that they're thinking about their money let's say that they're just getting started you know what's the first thing that uh, you think they should go out and do you know the toughest part of getting rich is getting started so yeah. Yeah. you know I, I wanted to actually bring your group a freebie today and anybody who's listening um, I want to give you the wealth builders roadmap it's totally free it's got seven steps that you can take without having a dime. You don't need to own anything to start acting and behaving like a wealthy person. So we covered a couple of them. We covered three of them today. Um, but if you're looking for a place to start, uh, head on over to mebestmoney.com slash the dash wealth dash builders dash roadmap. Also, it's on my Instagram. Like, <laughs> so you yeah. can see it. Yeah. And the link, um, if you look at the Wealth Builders Roadmap, it it's totally free and it's going to give you seven really simple steps to start thinking, acting, behaving like a wealthy person. You guys definitely got to go check that out. I'm, I'm sure it's a fantastic, you know, roadmap and it, it will take you from zero to hero. <laughs> where can they, uh, where can they find you, Leslie, and if they wanted to reach out? So at Leslie Scorgi is my Instagram and you can just look up my name, Leslie Ann Scorgi, anywhere on Google, and you will find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, like connect with me anywhere you want. But you can also catch me usually on Mondays and the star and CBC like regularly. So you'll see my name. But if you want to get connected, the easiest way is probably on Instagram. So at Leslie Scorgi. Amazing. Well, Leslie, and thank you so, so much for coming on. It was such a pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks so much for having me and happy wealth building, everyone. What a pleasure it was to speak with us, Leanne. And she continues to do big, big things. And she's definitely somebody that I'm going to keep in my network because she is just crushing it on all levels of life. And I think it was just an honor to be able to speak with her. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning into the show. I really, really appreciate it. As usual, my friends, Wealth Simple Trade, Wealth Simple Invest. You already know what it is. Link in the show notes. Go check it out. Go check out the episodes on investing. Go do your own research. Obviously, uh, not a financial advisor, financial advisor or anything, but I do really believe in those platforms. Big advocate for them. And I would really appreciate, you know, you checking them out because it really does help the show grow uh, and, and helps me put out this content. But that is all I have for you, my friends. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. But for now, I am out this mother. Peace.